a Podcast One production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thank you for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Thursday, the 3rd of December. The UK has become the first Western country to approve a COVID vaccine. A rollout of the Pfizer jab is expected next week after it was given the green light for emergency use overnight by the independent health regulator. Clinical trials have shown the vaccine is 95% effective and works well in all age groups, but there could be a few challenges rolling it out as it needs to be stored at minus 70 degrees Celsius. There's also a priority list with UK residents aged over 80, those living in aged care facilities and healthcare workers, the first in line to receive the vaccine. They'll get two separate jabs 21 days apart. Here's British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The UK was the first country in the world to pre-order supplies of this Pfizer vaccine, securing 40 million doses. Through our winter plan, the NHS has been preparing for the biggest programme of mass vaccination in the history of the UK, and that's going to begin next week. Back here, the federal government has signed a deal to buy 10 million doses of that vaccine for Australia. Approval by the Therapeutic Goods Administration is expected by the end of January next year, with the first vaccine delivery set to be rolled out in March. Dr Chris Moy from the Australian Medical Association says while it might seem rushed, the vaccine has gone through all the key safety checks. They've had to make decisions uh, you know, under pressure because of really the terrible COVID situation over there. But my understanding is it's still gone through good safety processes. To other news now and some very encouraging financial news this morning with latest figures showing Australia is officially out of the COVID recession. GDP increased 3.3% during the September quarter and that's the strongest three months of growth since the mid-1970s, while household consumption increased by almost 8%. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has warned while it's a major step forward, there's still a long road ahead. Today's national accounts can give Australians cause for optimism and hope. And as the Governor of the Reserve Bank said this morning, we have now turned the corner and a recovery is underway. And we'll have more details on the latest GDP figures coming up shortly in our finance report with Peter Switzer. A top election official has pleaded with Donald Trump to stop inciting violence over the US president's claims the recent election was rigged. Gabrielle Sterling is a fellow Republican and the manager for voting systems in Georgia. He says threats against his staff and police have gone too far over recent weeks and Mr Trump needs to step in before it's too late. Stop inspiring people to commit potential acts of violence. Someone's going to get hurt, someone's going to get shot, someone's going to get killed. And it's not right. I, I, it's not right. Meantime, Mr Trump has revealed to Republicans at a White House reception that he hasn't ruled out running again for US President in 2024. And a Chinese tech giant has censored a message by our Prime Minister Scott Morrison on WeChat. Directed at the Chinese community, Mr Morrison's message criticised the circulation of that disturbing fake image of an Aussie soldier with a knife at the throat of an Afghan child. The PM also defended Australia's handling of alleged war crimes. 
the posts have been deleted because, according to WeChat, they'd violated the company's regulations. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Thursday morning. To New South Wales first and more patrons will be allowed in pubs and clubs as COVID restrictions continue to ease. Dancing is also back with up to 50 people allowed to hit the floor while there's no limits on people attending weddings and funerals. But it comes as health authorities in the state issue a new warning over 12 Sydney suburbs, saying while Australia has done incredibly well with COVID, residents cannot be complacent. Siobhan Caulfield has the details. Yeah, Tash, well, New South Wales has almost reached the milestone of 28 days without any community transmission of COVID, with our Health Minister Kerry Chant yesterday even going so far as to say this. I think that um, on the balance of probability, we probably have... um, virtually eliminated um, community transmission. But now a health alert is out for 12 Sydney suburbs after traces of coronavirus were found in the local wastewater. Fragments of the virus have been found in samples taken from the sewage system that serves parts of Sydney's northwest, including Riverston, Marsden Park, Oakville, Box Hill and Schofields. The discovery could reflect the presence of previous cases, but New South Wales Health is worried there could be other active cases lurking in the community. Anyone with even the mildest of symptoms is being urged to come forward and get a test. Now, this, of course, comes after the state government announced what it called Freedom Day, with a bunch of COVID restrictions being eased from next week. From Monday, restaurants, bars and cafes can effectively double their capacity. We can finally stand up while having a bevy, but only when we're outside. And after months of having to sit still, we can now hit the D floor. Up to 50 people now allowed on indoor dance floors. Meantime, in Victoria, there are concerns that thousands of teenagers have missed out on getting critical vaccinations because of COVID and associated lockdowns. Our reporter, James Lake, has the details. Thank you, Tash. Your Victorian parents are being encouraged to book their teenagers in for critical vaccinations pretty urgently after they missed out on school-based immunisation programs during lockdowns this year. Students in Year 7 normally receive booster shots for diphtheria, tetanus, whooping cough, and also their HPV vaccine, which can help prevent cervical cancer. While Year 10 students missed out on their shots to protect against meningococcal disease, which is rare, but it can be deadly within 24 hours if you catch it. In Adelaide, the man at the centre of the three-day lockdown last month will not face criminal charges. Sean Maynard has more. Well, as expected, no charges for the man accused of lying and sending the entire state of South Australia into lockdown last month. The pizza bar worker is said to be relieved and is also hopeful of staying in the state and the country, but is weighing up legal action against the state government for ruining his reputation, not only in Australia, but also his native Spain. That's according to his lawyer, who insists his client had been belittled by the government and its running commentary of the situation. Now, Assistant Police Commissioner Peter Harvey yesterday confirming there won't be any charges for the man simply because there's a lack of evidence. Without that first-hand account of the conversation between contact tracers and the male person, the task force investigators have insufficient evidence 
to prove an offence. Yeah, under the Public Health Act, privilege forbids a first-hand account of the initial interviews with the suspected liar from being used as evidence in court. And it also stops police from further interviewing the contact tracer who spoke with the man. The Parafield Cluster currently sitting at 33 cases with 1,300 close contacts and contacts of close contacts remaining in isolation. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Peter Switzer from switzer.com.au. And Peter, as we reported earlier this morning, those latest GDP figures show Australia is officially out of a recession. But can this strong growth continue? Well, it's a good question, Tash, and the answer is definitely yes. This strong 3.3% growth rate in the September quarter was stronger than economists expected, and it happened as Victoria went into lockdown. And remember, this was for the months of July, August and September. We are now in December, and consumer confidence is at a seven-year high. Housing approval is at a 20-year high. Retail is up a huge 7%, and house prices are at record highs in a third of our regions and half of our capital cities. This growth out of recession is the real McCoy, and 2021 could even be stronger as a vaccine arrives. And talking about the vaccine, uh, Peter, there is good news on the vaccine front today out of the UK, and that could also help the economy and our stocks. That's right. With the UK government giving approval to Pfizer's vaccine, the Brits will be receiving jabs by next week. Meanwhile, our local regulator, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, is likely to give the vaccine the nod soon. So Australians should start being vaccinated in January, which is ahead of schedule and will not only mean our economy will reopen faster and recover more quickly than was expected, the stock market is likely to keep rising ahead of a widespread vaccination program next year. Of course, markets will have pullbacks, but stock experts say these short-term sell-offs will be buying opportunities for savvy stock players. And President-elect Joe Biden is not rushing to lift those tariffs on China. Yep. So we have to ask, is the US president in waiting, keeping the tariff pressure on China to support us with our current trade battle with Beijing? At this stage, he's not playing for an in-your-face battle with China to support us. And he's simply saying he's keeping the Trump tariffs on China in place as he considers his options. Right now, numerous governments are showing support for our plight, with many politicians from other countries telling their countrymen to buy Aussie wine. But eventually, Joe Biden supported by other major economies will have to negotiate with China to play fair or else Beijing will keep playing bully boy politics with other trading partners. Interesting to see how this plays out. Peter, thank you. Time to check sport now with Brett Thomason. Brett, India has avoided a series whitewash with a win over Australia in the third one day last night. That's right, Tash. Good morning. They are on the board. Now, it looked like the Aussies were set for uh, a win last night, perhaps winning the, a series whitewash. But when Virat Kohli was gone for 63, Josh Hazelwood claiming his wicket. That's the fourth ODI in a row he's done that. That was the danger man gone. India at that stage, five for 152. But then a record sixth wicket partnership put them back in the 
match. Hardik Pandya and Ravi Jadeja combined for 150 runs. That set a total of 303 to chase down. Uh, the Aussies started well. Aaron Finch top scoring with 75. Glenn Maxwell coming in lower down the order. He blasted 59 off 38, including four sixes. But in the end, the Aussies fell 13 runs short. And Finch says it was that uh, vital partnership when India was batting that they just couldn't break. We fought really well today. Uh, just come up a little bit short. We'll probably just that one wicket too many down in that run chase. And, and obviously a great partnership between Hardik and Jadeja there of, of over 150 where we we're in a great position. If we if we nab one of them reasonably early, we're looking at maybe 240 at max. Now we've got a T20 series before the tests. Uh, that starts on Friday night. We've got some T20 cricket between the Aussies and India once more. And Brett, we love the tennis. This is great news. It looks like the Aussie Open will go ahead, but with the strict conditions for players. Yeah, that's right. So there have been a lot of negotiations going on between Tennis Australia and the Victorian government in terms of those quarantine conditions. One of the sticking points was that the players want to be able to train while they're quarantining. It looks like that will happen. An email leaked from the tournament chief, Craig Tiley, last night, revealing that the tournament looks set to start on Feb 8. Now, in uh, among the strict quarantine measures that they'll have to spend two weeks in hotel isolation. They will be allowed outside, but only to train for a maximum of five hours a day. They'll have to pass a COVID test 48 hours before coming to Australia and then five more tests while they're here. Um, now, the, the prize money will still be honoured, $71 million, but uh, TA will take a, a big, big hit somewhere in the vicinity of $100 million for flying all the players out, private charters and the like. And of course, some of the lead up tournaments that will have to be moved to different places in Victoria. Gosh. Now, the Schumacher name will return to Formula One next season. That's right. Mick Schumacher is the son of seven-time Formula One world champion Michael Schumacher. He's just signed a deal with Haas. This is great, a great story for Formula One. As I mentioned, just 21 years of age, but he's a really promising driver. Currently races in the Formula Two category, which is the class just underneath. He's currently leading that championship going into its final round in Bahrain this weekend. He signed a multi-year contract with Haas. They're a US-based team, but he still has his eyes on racing for Ferrari, of course, uh, the team that his father raced uh, had so much success with, and they have said that eventually their aim is for him to drive in uh, Formula One one day. And next year will be the 30th anniversary of his father's own entry into Formula One at the 91 Belgian Grand Prix. So that's a, a great story for Schumacher and uh, for Formula One. It does. The tradition lives on. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country now for this Thursday morning. Brisbane, morning shower or two expected with a top of 29 degrees on the way. 24 and cloudy today for Sydney. Mostly sunny for Melbourne, high of 23 degrees today. 26 and cloudy for Canberra. Cloudy and 19 for Hobart. Sunny 27 on the way today for Adelaide. Sunny and 29 for Perth. And showers with the expectation of a possible storm and a top of 35 degrees for Darwin. And this is one way to say sorry. A South Australian man wrongly accused of breaching COVID quarantine has been gifted a hamper from the local health authority. The 30-year-old was slammed online after the incorrect allegation. The state's chief public health officer, who was forced to say sorry earlier this week, says he has been very gracious in accepting their apology and the hamper. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. Please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda 
on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thank you so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.